Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. It's round two of the playoffs. Series are getting underway. BetOnline has you covered as the final eight teams compete for basketball's ultimate championship. Head over to their website using the link in the description to this episode to get a 50% welcome bonus on your initial deposit. Use the promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, to get a 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, everybody, however and whenever it is you may be listening, thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of Wired Up. This is Wired Up episode 115 here on the Take It Easy podcast. I hope you all are having a fantabulous day, however and whenever you may be stopping in. Maybe you enjoyed some NFL draft coverage. I watched very little of the next two days of the NFL draft, but we got all of our draft coverage in all together on day one, and you can check out that post-game show for day one of the draft over there. Blake Jude is going to talk to us sometime coming out of Vegas about the NFL draft this week. It's all going to be very fun. We also have the NBA playoffs going on at the same time, so an ironically busy time in the sports calendar that's going to get slightly less busy in May as we turn over the calendar today to May 1st. It's going to get slightly less busy, still a little busy, but now it's just basketball playoffs that we can watch. So we got to the final eight teams. I think other than Brooklyn, which even Brooklyn losing isn't that big of a deal, this was the final eight that we expected even if it took a weird path to get there, Phoenix, Dallas, Golden State, Memphis, Boston, Milwaukee, Miami, Philadelphia. At the start of the year, other than Brooklyn losing to Boston, you could have predicted that this would be the final seven teams. Memphis is slightly surprising, but by December, we all kind of knew Memphis had taken a leap to becoming a top 10 team in the NBA, and we had all kind of mentally prepared ourselves for months around the Memphis situation. This is going to be a really, really fun two weeks. Really freaking fun to watch these playoff games. Because this is stakes and storylines where every single team belongs here, is a top 10 team, and every single team is super evenly matched. I have no idea what's going to happen in the Miami and Philadelphia series. Not a clue what's going to end up happening in that series. I'll say it goes seven games just because that series is so freaking close. Boston is favorites gambling against Milwaukee, and I was surprised by that because even if you subtract Chris Middleton, which is a huge change for Milwaukee, it's a landscape-altering move for a defending champion who most people thought would come out of the Eastern Conference going into the playoffs this year. All of a sudden, you take out Chris Middleton, the gap closes between those teams, and all of a sudden, you have no idea what's going to happen in the Eastern Conference. You go to the West, Devin Booker's playing injured. Luka Doncic is playing injured. The Mavericks at least have a puncher's chance against the Phoenix Suns, even if the Phoenix Suns are favored in the series and probably will ultimately win the series. The Mavericks 
are one upset away from going to possibly the NBA Finals. And then the Warriors in Memphis is a series we've been mentally preparing for for four months. For four months, it felt like a foregone conclusion that Memphis and Golden State were going to be the two and three seed in some form or fashion, and they were going to meet up in the second round of the playoff, and it was going to be a super fun series. There were no real surprises besides Brooklyn and Boston in the first round. We did three podcast episodes on that. There were no real practical surprises in the first round, and that's to the benefit of all of us. Because as much as it sucks that the first round doesn't have any Game 7s, or might not have been as exciting as some people like it, similar to last year's second round of the NFL playoffs, this is going to be an amazing second round of the playoffs, where every single series could conceivably go seven games, and every single team feels like they have a puncher's chance of making it to the NBA Finals which never happens in the NBA. I think part of the reason we've gotten to this place in the NBA is in part because we find ourselves, or I guess we as fans, and I don't subscribe to this theory. I am the pro super team model. I think the David and the Goliath model is incredibly fun, and I enjoyed Warriors punching against the Rockets in 2017 and 2018, or the Cavs-Warriors four years war in the NBA. I really enjoyed that time of the NBA, and it might be better than the time now. It might be worse than the time now. Who time will tell on that? Each person has their own preferences, and most people believe that the prime of their lives was the best era of sports, so possibly I succumb to that as well in basketball. What's interesting is that the NBA wanted parity. The NBA has gotten parity because Giannis and Joel Embiid, and uh, well, Jokic is out this year, but Giannis and Joel Embiid, and Stephen Curry, and Jason Tatum to a certain extent. The rest of the guys are rookies. You have young people who are still on the teams that drafted them. And the NBA has legislated parity out because super teams weren't formed by the people who brokered real power in the sport. And that's really Giannis, Joel Embiid, Jokic still has a chance, Boston, uh, Miami, Philadelphia, I mean, we mentioned Philadelphia with Joel Embiid, but those teams haven't brokered real super teams. There is no true super team in the NBA, and that's what makes it such that every one of the eight teams at least can convince themselves they have a chance to win a championship. I don't think Dallas legitimately has a chance to win a championship. If they beat Phoenix, they can beat Golden State or Memphis in the the conference championship, and that'll be an indictment of the Western Conference and how the Western Conference's well, I guess at this point, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth best players are all under 23 years old, which is awesome for the competitive balance and the enjoyment. I guess Devin Booker's 25. But it's going to be really exciting years from now when those guys take the mantle from Embiid, Giannis, or maybe they don't, but at a certain Luca and John Morant and Zion Williamson will. But the Western Conference will shift power back there once Kevin Durant, Giannis, and Joel Embiid age out of the Eastern Conference, and to a certain extent, Jimmy Butler, the Miami Heat are a weird team with a weird, they're the the team ball team, and the Boston Celtics were the team ball team, and now I think they're more star-centric, but all of it is really interesting when you put all it together, and most times in NBA history, as we talked about last week, the person who has the star generally beats team ball. Miami might be one of those exceptions when we think of the 2020 Heat or when we think of, I mean, not 2011 Mavericks was where I was going to with that. But the point still stands. Usually the superstar beats team ball 
in the grand scheme of things. And this is an NBA now that's unprecedented because we're looking at a level of parity that we aren't used to in the sport. There are tons of great basketball players, and they all happen to play on different teams. And while there's not one dominant super team that will draw our eyeballs to see them play or to see them lose, depending on who your rooting interest of sport is, we're going to watch eight teams that are all not that far apart from each other, which is going to make riveting final five minutes of basketball games. And I know people complain all the time on Sports Talk Radio, basketball doesn't matter until the final five minutes. And in this case, it might work to the benefit because twice, three times a night, you're going to get incredibly, incredibly fun playoff basketball at the end of games because all of these teams happen to be incredibly evenly matched. They all have a top 10 player in the league with the exception of the Miami Heat. And, you know, you can debate Ja Morant. Let's say top 15. They all have top 15 players in the NBA at this point, which is at least everyone has a tier three star. No one has more than two tier three stars, except maybe, well, Chris Middleton's out now, so that one doesn't even count. Nobody has more than one tier three star on their team, and everyone is incredibly, I'll do it right now, Golden State, Steph Curry, uh, superstar, Luka Doncic, face of his young generation, John Morant, he's a uh, tier two star, top 10 debatable player in the NBA, he's also super young, Devin Booker, Phoenix, Giannis, Milwaukee, Embiid, Jimmy Butler, and Jason Tatum. Everyone has a top 15 player. Nobody has more than two top 15 players. That's going to create an incredibly unique series where every single one of these next four series between Warriors and Memphis, Boston and Milwaukee, those are the two that start on Sunday, and Dallas and Phoenix and Miami versus Philadelphia, every single one of those series could go seven games. And by the way, Milwaukee and Philadelphia hate each other hate each other with a passion right now that is going to be a toxic series between Miami and Philadelphia and the Dallas and Phoenix one I talked about how last year we could have had if Luka doesn't have his shoulder injury a Dallas versus Phoenix conference finals which then this would build on the lore as well between Dallas and Phoenix. I think that could be a budding rivalry in the NBA. Dallas versus Phoenix, Luka versus Devin Booker. I think that could be a legitimate budding rivalry in the NBA. Milwaukee and Boston, it depends how your feelings of Jason Tatum, but that could be something that creates intrigue or bad blood or whatever it might end up being, is Giannis and Tatum, possibly. Steph and Jaw. It'll at least, I mean, Warriors and Memphis. I mean, Memphis was the team that eliminated Golden State last year in, in the play-in game. So there's definitely some sort of animus there, and that's just going to make the storylines more interesting. And the thing I say all the time is, what matters in sport is stakes and storylines. Those are the two things that drive interest by fans into sport, and when it's an emotional investment, they will spend their dollars and invest emotionally, which will then lead to them giving more dollars, which affects the bottom line, and etc., etc. You're getting stakes on these games... Everyone is relatively evenly matched. Again, like we said earlier, fifteen. every single team left in the playoffs has a top 15 player. And now that Chris Middleton is out for the Milwaukee Bucks, none of the teams have more than two top, or have, none of the teams in the playoffs have more than one top 15 player. Everyone has a top 15 player. Nobody has two. So you have a relatively evenly matched field 
and you have teams that all could conceivably make the playoffs combined with the elimination of postseason basketball, it's going to be incredibly riveting. And the way to drive storylines is Phoenix, or yeah, Dallas and Phoenix, which is a budding rivalry. Golden State, Memphis, which is becoming a mini rivalry because Memphis eliminated Golden State last year. Phoenix and Miami, those teams hate each other. That's how you're going to drive storyline interest. And the basketball is going to be amazing because you're talking about elimination games that are all going to be tied or one possession games with two minutes left to go for two consecutive weeks, up to 28 incredible basketball games potentially between eight teams that are all relatively evenly matched. And it's really going to be exciting. We're going to talk about it all week with all of our friends from basketball. And that begins with part of our conversation with Cam from Daily Sports Dosage. He's been a fan, or I'm sorry, he's been a friend of the show. He's been a Celtics fan forever, but he's been a friend of the show for over two years now. Going back to the earliest of the early pandemic days, we were doing podcasts together. You can follow him on all social media platforms. He's got half a million followers all over the place here. You should check out his work on Instagram and TikTok and Snapchat and Twitter and YouTube. He's got all kinds of great content that y'all should be checking out. And Cam wanted to talk NBA basketball again, so... Here's part of our conversation that we had. It obviously goes all over the place. If you stay tuned to Memes of the Weekend tomorrow, you can get the very end of our conversation as well, as lo- along with our NBA Monday pod with our friend Morgan from Australia as well coming on the show. But for now, here is Cam from Daily Sports Dosage joining us here on the pod. Yeah, I, w- I was saying, I mean, for people listening off air, they're not going to know what they're for people listening now. I, I, It's hard to keep track of the injuries sometimes in the NBA playoffs because, you know, the guy's yeah. hurt, but everyone's on different timetables. And like last well, year, they, the 10 best well, teams they all also, had injuries. Yeah. And they also like they also like kind of like couch it on purpose. So like they try to make it sound like it's not as bad as it is. So like sometimes it's like, oh, this injury happened, but you know, they, they really try to make it like as like absolutely um, confusing as possible, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, some of it, well, I mean, the, the easiest example to throw out is Ben Simmons, right? Like nobody knew when or well, how he was going to play, Simmons. which holy crap, that guy. <laughs> uh, is that just saying Ben Simmons is a, is a trigger point the same way stress is a trigger point on his back. It's just saying I the just, word Ben. I just, I just, so this is the problem with Ben Simmons. And, and this is a very easy conversation to have for me. Why can't some people just be an asshole? Why do you have to like feel bad for every person? Whether it's like, I understand everyone has anxiety now. I'm not trying to tell you that. I'm not trying to couch it either saying that anxiety is not serious because I have it. I'm a, I have, I, I have depression and all that. I take actually I take medication for it. And it makes it very clear that I, I'm not trying to tell you that it isn't serious. It probably is. But that doesn't give you the right to completely quit on your team and like two different teams. Like I am sure he has legitimate issues, but like, what are we doing here? I think Ben Simmons would have bought himself a lot more if he had just said, I'm done for season when he got the trade. Because yeah, we would have crapped on him for like, oh, your mental health break is going to cost you into the playoffs. And I think if he had just said, I'm done for the season, it would have been so much easier for him. It basically um, because, would have been a one day thing where like people would be crapping on him. And then the next day it'd be like, 
you know, whatever. But yeah, no, dude, I listen, I'm not trying to tell you that I that I don't feel bad for Ben Simmons because like I get one percent of the hate that he gets. I mean, probably even less, to be honest, maybe like a half percent, something along those lines. And it's hard. It's hard. But you, it's just it's just the industry you're in. I'm sorry, man. I, I know it's not fair, but like. You're doing it to yourself sometimes too. Just shoot the ball, dude. Like I get it. You have a mental <laughs> block. Like I'm, I'm really not trying to be a jerk, like incentive about it. But like, that's what's wrong with society that we're just looking at things where it's like in a vacuum. Like, no, 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 no. We have to take it very seriously. That you, yes, everyone has issues now. I'm not trying to tell you they're not important. But like the same thing with like Antonio Brown. I mean, they're they're very different. But people are like. No, no, he's, we got to feel bad for him. Why can't he just be an asshole? <laughs> you know that's I mean? that's like, the thing with Kyrie Irving is Kyrie Irving is in the exact same camp as Antonio Brown, which is yeah. the free thinker camp, the freedom fighter, and also really, really narcissistic, like really yeah. narcissistic. And, 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 and arguably one of the most sensitive guys out there. He acts like he doesn't care but he cares cares that he is if you start looking up the definition of narcissist it should just say Kyrie Irving go look what he does that guy is just oh I do think the anti-fan thing is legit though like I think he legitimately doesn't care what fans think and Kyrie Irving it, Kyrie Irving's treading the line that the NBA doesn't want to which is most NBA players are anti-fan and also recognize you have to find a balance between anti-fan and fans giving you their money. So like, this is a weird line that they're trying to toe. And I don't think they like that Kyrie Irving is so anti-fan, but all the, so, all the other stuff is interesting there too. Yeah. See, I think that he's anti-fan and I can agree with you, but it's because he's sensitive to it. Yeah, I do. Like, I don't know how anyone can tell, tell you that they don't, that they, these guys don't actually care what they think. Like, like I know you and I, Every conversation we have, we end up talking about Kevin Durant psychology. But <laughs> Kevin Durant cares just as much as the next guy, but he shows it in a way of like, I don't care what you think, which basically means he cares. I mean, Kevin like, Durant does can- it in a way that makes him miserable because he wants yeah. you to believe he doesn't care when he cares a lot. Yeah, exactly. It's so like, I don't know why when people say that they don't care, that basically means they care, right? It's like almost code. Uh, it's difficult because like I genuinely don't care what other people think about me anymore. And it took a long time to get to that place. I just had social media long enough that I just started playing into it. And but, that was my way as of a normal person. People. Yeah. As a normal person. Yeah. That's easy to say because you're not getting crazy amount of, you know, toxicity the way that these guys are. And mm-hmm. that's why I, I think as a normal human being, I don't care if people think. I mean, I'm, I, I, I consider myself as normal. Some people may not consider me as normal, but I'm very normal, I believe. And I don't have to deal with the stress these guys deal with. And that's what I feel bad about. I don't even know how they even exist with the amount of accessors in their lives and all this, you know, toxic, what social media thing. But like, end of the day, they are living a life that none of us can live. And I, I know money's not the only thing. I, I really believe that, but like they live a life that none of us will ever have to be. They, they don't even know. They don't even know what it's like to be a no person anymore, to be honest. Mm-hmm. 
I can't remember. Uh, I can't remember if it was Warren Buffett or who it was, but someone's like, "Dinner can only taste so good, and money money can buy you happiness, or money can't buy you happiness, but money can make the down payments towards happiness." And that's what Adam Silver talked about at that um, the Sloan conference a few years ago. Is like, yeah, NBA players come to him and they're like, "I'm really sad. I, I don't know why I don't feel more joy in life." And part of that is. Yeah, you have to, I mean, especially for the past year and a half, you had to just sit in your hotel room and isolate yourself and then go play basketball and isolate yourself. And a lot of times, like we see, we hear like things about basketball players, like going to clubs and stuff like that. That's like stereotyping. But a lot of the times you can't go out. So you're kind of just sitting in your hotel room or staying at the team facility. It's a lot like it's a lot more like college sports where your life is very much trained to be in the athlete mode than it used to be. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and, And I do feel and I do feel like it's unfair. You know, I do feel like to a certain extent, like you look at these athletes and they're like, Oh, they have all this money and that's all they care about. I mean, like that's, um, you know, like I would trade that like, yeah, I probably would too, but end of the day, like it's not easy to do what they do. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to couch it like it is, but that's when I go back to Kyrie Irving and, you know, Ben Simmons, like see Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons are so different. Cause like Kyrie Irving is a true narcissist. I'm, I'm happy you said that because he is. And like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not a therapist or anyone that can make this, this, this distinction, but my therapist even said that he was, so I can try, I can say that freely because this guy is super smart and, mm-hmm. and I mean, he's not, hasn't didn't diagnose him, but you know, just the tendencies that he has. And you look at Ben Simmons, the dude is just afraid. And I feel bad for that, but it's like, dude, like just, uh, the thing, the thing I've said about Ben Simmons is I'd really want to be Ben Simmons friend. That's the thing I've said before is that like Ben Simmons may be narcissistic and Ben Simmons may be kind of in his own head and he did not handle the Philadelphia thing well. Like when his teammates tried to reach out and reconcile with him and he just told them, I'm not going to meet with you. That was one where I'm like, oh, you're you're doing the best thing that's not the best thing in that situation. Like that's one yeah. where I was like, they're doing their best to try and make amends and you're well, saying almost- like what they... Yeah, he, he almost a really bad guidance, like what you're saying, right? Like it'd be being his friend, someone was giving him good advice. Is that what you're trying to say? Uh, I don't, I just want to know him better. Like, oh, yeah, I would, I like Ben Simmons is one of the, I, I was listening to a podcast yesterday with the guy who wrote that book on the Nets, and he was saying at the All Star game in 2020. The, the one in Chicago right before the pandemic, they had this big luncheon with all the NBA players and some were talking together and some were doing like their media stuff and their business stuff. And like at a big table in the corner was just Ben Simmons and his sister just sitting by themselves. Didn't look like he was really enjoying it. He was just kind of like off in the distance. And it was like Ben Simmons from age 12, because his dad played professionally in Australia. And mm-hmm. so from like age 12 to 18 was viewed as this basketball prodigy and like moved to like Monteverde at 15 and was like going to be the number one pick in the draft all the way through. Yeah. Like when you're That's that dude, pressure. That's a lot of pressure. But you also just don't get to grow up normally. Like there's nothing Definitely. really normal about that. No. And, and, and he gets drafted and then, and then everyone's like, oh, he's LeBron James. Oh, That's he's LeBron James. And um 
after what was it? He was injured his first year, second year, boom, they're the three seed. And it's like the the raise the cat process has come true. Like second year in the league, you're now a savior for an entire basketball city. And and like, and, and, and it's in a harsh city at that. Yeah. Like when you're destined to be this one thing and maybe it's not his thing or I don't know, maybe like the, the whole Kendall Jenner thing also messed with him a little bit, but I, I just find it so interesting. Like I would want to know him as a person because yeah, what does Ben Simmons like outside of basketball? What does Ben Simmons enjoy doing besides basketball? Does basketball make him miserable? Like does the idea of playing in Philadelphia just trigger like insane amounts of stress the way like someone might after like a toxic relationship goes south? Like I can tell you right now that I had a job at one point in my life. and I'll share this with you. I actually get, I, I I literally had to quit because it was so bad and it was like, I like would get, I would, I would literally have like, I would, I'm always turned into like a freaking disaster like mentally because i was just like every time i would go there it would bring all these negative energies up so maybe you know almost like had like a you know like a like anxiety attack all the time it was, it was wild but m- maybe that's something that he feels towards philadelphia but he can't separate that from basketball but then retired dude like you know what i mean like i, I know it's i know it's like harsh but like you, like he just has bad people around him. Like, like I know once again, Tony Brown's very different. Tony Brown like has like legitimate, like whatever, uh, whatever is going on with him. Antonio but, Brown has, and I hate doing this because I don't want to trivialize mental health. He's got the Kanye West ism in him a little bit. Whoa, whoa. But he actually has like legitimate, like he can't even speak normal. Like I, he's got like, he's, he's just, I don't know. Something's going yeah, on with him. Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown's the same way. I'd really want to be Antonio Brown's friend. Yeah. When you humanize Antonio Brown, his story is insane. He literally like Antonio Brown f- has all the, the the stuff going on in his head combined with the fact he was homeless at 16 years old in Miami and just refuses to talk about that part of his life anymore. Like he just buries it deep down and like ignores that it ever happened because it was so stressful for him as a 16, 17 year old kid. And then like goes to junior college and then goes to the fucking middle of Michigan for college. It's yeah. Fifth. Yeah. He's like a sixth round or whatever. Fifth round pick. Yeah. I'll I'll never forget. I was watching a highlight of the super bowl 50 uh, or sorry, the super bowl 45, the one that the Steelers lost to the Packers. And he was a rookie returning the opening kickoff for the Steelers team as a rookie that made the super bowl. So he goes from central Michigan to fifth round pick to boom next year you're in the super bowl and it's just like this incredible shit yeah and he goes from being and then all that to like arguably the greatest receiver of our generation if he just if he just doesn't he's still like for a four-year period might be the greatest receiver i've ever seen no definitely but he was we were talking greatest of all time with this dude like i mean like mm-hmm. you, like in that he was in that category then just everything just fell apart and uh, a lot of the guys locally say this and i couldn't agree more he has just a bad people around him people mm-hmm. are not advising this guy correctly whether it's whether it's he makes his own decisions or not i i'm sure that he's he it's it's his way his way or the highway but i feel like people when you get to that level don't have real friends they just kind of like are just your yes men. And that's a problem. You can't just have yes men when you're like on that level and you're making just bad decision after bad decision. 
I think you have the power to surround yourself with yes men, which by the way, was the same thing as Matt Sullivan guy was saying that, that he's the guy who wrote the Nets book is like Kyrie Irving fired his manager and hired his stepmom who worked as a vice president of something at BET to be his manager. And all of his friends from high school are now like kind of in his inner circle of sorts, which in fairness is what LeBron James also did. Yeah, it's but yeah, in- but, Le- but LeBron James's friends were like all prodigies. LeBron James is the most interesting guy I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Literally, LeBron every one James, of his friends, like yeah, like Carter, oh. like Maverick Carter, and like all these guys are like, uh, they're it's wild. Well, because when when LeBron was like 2007 to 2010, he literally like Maverick Carter went to go work for um, I can't remember who it was, but he went to work with some Hollywood producing company. Rich Paul went to work with um, LeBron's agency, which I forgot what his agency was before they started their own. But like Rich Paul trained as an agent, Uh, Maverick Carter trained as a television producer, and then they ended up using that expertise and that knowledge to start their own company. Kyrie Irving kind of skipped that part and kind of put his high school friends in positions of power and then tried to do the weird thing with Kobe that I didn't really know about, but had kind of heard stuff with where he pretty much like tried to co-opt Kobe's brand after. Oh, I, didn't, the, I, didn't the, know, the, I didn't know any of that. Yeah. It was this weird thing where the fallout with Nike and he wanted to keep the Kobe brand going, but Nike and the, family were going to part it was a weird situation well so, well so nike wanted to keep it but vanessa was really upset about it for whatever for whatever I, i'm sure that there was good reason I, I don't know the whole story but um yeah so yeah, Kyrie was involved somewhere with that i don't know exactly what it was but Kyrie got involved somewhere in that issue yeah Kyrie. Kyrie Irving feels like a guy that believes in what he believes and I believe and I appreciate his conviction you know the Ramadan stuff and like that's really impressive stuff but he talks about being a and, I, and I'm not even trying to couch it like that is really impressive like I fast on a, on a daily basis just for like 13, uh, 14 hours it's just like part of what I do and I can't even imagine not eating for like an entire day almost and not drinking water either like that's it's just so impressive and play basketball you know what I mean like in, ho- in, in, in the hostile environment like it's it's wild but after the game, he talks about having this higher power and not caring what people think and all this. And then, but then during the game, flipping off Celtics fans. Like, I mean, like, yeah, I'm telling you, Celtics fans probably were deserved it, but it's like, dude, like, you can't, you can't be both. Kyrie Irving is the worst. Like, I just, I just, the guy is just the worst. All right. So let, let's talk about the Celtics then. The other part yes. about Ben, uh, Ben Simmons, I forgot, surrounding himself with his own people. I read, um, again, take a shot if you're listening to the podcast. I read Yarn Weitzman's book about tanking to the top with the Sixers. They tried to get Ben Simmons a shooting coach in his third year. And his people were like, he already has a shooting coach. It's his brother. <laughs> they were oh, like, no. what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. That's hilarious. Wait, what, what, what's that book called? I, I, kinda, uh, I, I, I'm trying to start. I'm trying to read more sports books. Um, oh, I've got, UK. I've got good recommendations for you then. Okay. Um, my favorite one, and you'd enjoy this because this is where the Kevin Durant psychology came from. It's uh, the victory machine by Ethan Strauss. It's about the um, 2017 to 2019 warriors. Okay. Yeah, Ethan Strauss it. like covered the team for the athletic. Uh, that one was tanking to the top. Um, it's by Yaron Weitzman. He works for, or he used to work for Bleacher Report. Um, cool. Tanking to the top, the Philadelphia 76ers in the most audacious process in the history of professional sports. 
Um, it kind of is like we're in year yeah. eight of the process and it's still insane. And it all works out as long as you have Joel Embiid. <laughs> yeah. Joel Embiid's pretty good at basketball. Huh? Yeah, I know. Right. It's kind of freaky. Anyway. So now you can do Celtics. What, what do okay. you got for the Celtics? Cause I I've so, been branded a Celtic hater now because I have to, I've accidentally surrounded myself with all Celtics fans. Really? What do you mean? So you're a Celtics hater. Like, um, what does like, that mean? Like three of the five people we talk basketball with on the podcast are Celtics fans. It just happened oh, to really? work out that way. Yeah. Like oh, one funny. of my friend Juju's from like Texas and New Mexico and Morgan's from Australia. And they all happen to be Celtics fans just by random chance. Oh, wow. So well, I, yeah, I, well, I, I've now become a Celtic hater apparently because I said nah, the Nets would win in six. You're a really like I see most Celtics fans. The most part get branded as um, homers because a lot of them are. Um, mm-hmm. uh, actually, a lot, I say like all my friends are homers. Like they they can't even have a conversation. I mean, I, I didn't think that I, I there's no way I thought the Celtics were going to sweep the Nets, but I also didn't think that Kevin Durant was going to be playing this bad. So that was kind of my comp on it. But so just before we go on the po- um, the podcast, uh, Chris, I, I said this to you like before we, we weren't recording. Um, Chris Middleton's out for the series against the Celtics. And I really, really thought the Celtics could win before, like in seven, like that type of like dogfight. I th- actually think the Celtics are going to win now. Like actually, like, like before I was like, they were probably like, you know, like in betting odds, maybe like a plus 300 or plus 200 or something like, like a two to one dog. Now they're, mm-hmm. it's probably even now. Maybe, maybe the Celtics even be the favorite. And the reason why I think that is outside of like obviously just how well Celtics are playing and you know all that, Ime Odoka is a real coach, I think. And one of my one of my buddies actually said this the other day, and it really kind of got me thinking. Remember um, how you know Giannis and how how basically like how when you look at every one of the teams that Ime Odoka played on, you know Kevin Durant. Um, no, sorry, the uh, the Nets, the, the Sixers, all this that helps Celtics so they have like internal knowledge of certain players. But think about last year when the Nets and the and the Bucks went back and forth, and they in the Nets, if 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 Kevin Durant had an inch shorter foot, they would have made the finals. Mm-hmm. They play, they I don't think guarded Kevin Durant well, but they have the blueprint to beat them. The Celtics team is better than that Nets team last year. I and without Chris Middleton, like I legitimately <sighs> think the Celtics are going to win this win the series. Like I actually do. Like by I, the way, I, I Vegas has them as minus one eighty favorites right now. Yeah. See, I'm not surprised by that. Like I really think the Celtics are better, but they have but the but the Bucks have Giannis, so that's what makes them like he they is a a whole team. They have a, they have a lot of good role players, and the Celtics have a good team. And I, also, I think Mike Budenholzer is a not a good coach. I mean, the guy was going to get fired. <laughs> I still would have fired him. I still yeah. say that they should. have. I think we were doing a podcast back then. They should have taken him off the bus and yeah, threw yeah, him fi- into the crowd. <laughs> yeah. Fi- yeah. Fire him off the duck boat. Let him, let him enjoy the day and then fire him later on. Yeah. I, so I'm worried about it from the buck standpoint in that I've seen Milwaukee succeed without Chris Middleton and also Giannis fully admits like Middleton is the guy down at the end of the game. So yeah, in the finals, 
Giannis did really, really well in a lot of the, and obviously the Suns didn't have great bigs as defense. They yeah. had good perimeter defense. They they struggled with big defense and the Celtics kind of strength is big defense. Mm-hmm. But I, I just I I put the Giannis factor over all else just because in the grand scheme of things, maybe like it's rare that the superstar doesn't overcome. And also this is the part where I think this is like, this is why Giannis is going to leave the bucks is because the bucks don't have a lot left to build with. And if you take away Chris Middleton, like I know that the bench is deep, but it's, it's a whole lot of Pat Connaughton and a whole lot of Grayson Allen there. It's a bunch of average players. You know what I mean? Like, like, like good players, like they're all good, but they're not great. But like, you look at the Celtics dude, like, yeah, Giannis can score 40, but the Celtics are good, dude. Like, I don't good. understand why either. Like, uh, it, either we're all wrong about Jason Tatum or they are one of the exceptions. Because usually when you think of NBA history, like the team that has the best player usually ends yeah, up usually. advancing. But usually. Jason Tatum, I legitimately think is a superstar, though. Like, not yet, but like, I think. I think there isn't a young player in the NBA besides, I don't know, being Luca. And and then you can and then we can have a conversation about John Morant. I don't even think that's even I, I really don't think I think it's apples and oranges. And Jason Tatum's the guy. And yeah, those those three, but those three guys we just had a conversation about are all are all legit superstar potential players, like superstar, like like face of league type of players. And yeah, I think once once all the best players now age out, they are going to be the faces of the league. Like like Jason Tatum, I know that Kevin Durant had a bad series. Like I'm not trying to tell you that he's better than Kevin Durant right now. Like I really am not saying that. But the point I'm trying to get at is that like he showed me a lot in that series. Mm-hmm. He basically just said, "This is mine. I'm taking it." And he is good, dude. He. Another thing about Jason Tatum that I think has a really underrated part of his game is he's a he's an elite passer. So mm-hmm. he is really good with the ball in his hands, where a lot of guys are only one-dimensional where the ball stalls, you know, especially when they're scorers. He has the ability to go like one for ten and still have a big impact on the game. And his defense is underrated. Oh, his defense got so much better. Like I didn't watch really any NBA basketball this year. And I was watching that series. I was like, oh, his defense is so much better. Like, And I just didn't realize it. Yeah. He legitimately is like an all defensive player now. Like I wouldn't say like first (laughs) team or second team. He was, no, he was the, he was the best defender on the Celtics statistically. Like Marcus Smart got defensive player of the year because people like the narrative, but yeah, he was, he was better than. Marcus See, arguably, I think I think that the best defensive player in the Celtics is Robert Williams. Like just because I watch every game, but yeah, um, basically it's not Marcus Smart. It's, it's not. It's not. No. But uh, yeah, so I mean, well, but by the way, I, I don't think Marcus Smart shouldn't have won it. Like I, I'm not really against the, get him getting it, but I just I'm just happy a guard got it. Just because I really think a guard should be winning, especially during the three point error. Like I just feel like. You know, maybe this wasn't the year to do it, but I don't know. I feel like someone like Marcus Smart, it's good for the game to get someone like that. Like Pat Beverly thinks he's Marcus Smart. Pat Beverly's a they 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 both kind of do the same things. They're like instigators. That's that's yeah, kind of their like role. Marcus Smart can like knock point. down shots though. Yeah, Marcus Smart is just the number six pick in the NBA draft, and Patrick Beverly is is the like, drafted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> did, did we story. talk about? Did we talk about the Patrick Beverly story on the podcast? Yeah, hey, so we have, but I don't know if we have, but like I know it's it's a 
ridiculously crazy story. Like he's yeah. out of the NBA, comes back, you know, like basically floating around. Yeah, he he's like, like tenacious fourth defender. string, fourth string guard on the Rockets, then third string, then second string, then gets a contract, then gets is the, the reason, Clippers, right? Yeah. yeah, traded to the Clippers and is the reason the Rockets got better. The Rockets got better because you got traded, and then. Uh, obviously all those years with the Clippers and the Kevin Durant series, then the Clippers gave up on him during their best. I mean, not their best team, but their best season in franchise history last year. And they made the conference finals because Luca got hurt and because the Utah jazz or the Utah jazz. And then they gave up on him and he ends up in Minnesota. He, he gets sent to the place where your career goes to die, which is Minnesota. Well, yeah, he, <laughs> and, he, he got sent to the, he got sent to the, I think they got traded to the um, Memphis first though. And then Memphis traded them to the Minnesota. I'm yeah. Sure. I forgot like Eric Bledsoe, er, oof, Eric Bledsoe, yeah. but Eric Bledsoe was that trade. And then they, they flipped you fucking. <laughs> the, speaking of bad Minnesota picks, they traded straight up Patrick Beverly for Jarrett Culver. Jarrett Culver was like the sixth pick in the draft, like two years ago. <laughs> and they yeah, already that, got rid of him. Yeah, that Minnesota is just a pit, dude. But they but they have talent on that team. They are like, they are the Anthony, case study of if you stay shitty long enough, eventually you're going to get good players. Anthony Edwards is nasty. Like he is. He he he. So I I think Carly the Towns is Car was what Carly the Towns is. Like he's probably like a top. 15 player or whatever, like at his best, like around there. He's, he's someone like, we put in as an all-star every year. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's a, he's like, he's like one of those guys that like, if he just keeps doing what he's doing now, he's probably gonna be a hall of famer, like that type of thing. Yeah. But, but Anthony Edwards has like legit superstar potential. I think he is just mm-hmm. nice, dude. He just has that real, like, and also too, like, I, I really rely on the eye test more than a lot of, um, other people do like I really do like look at the game in a different different lens. <laughs> Anthony Edwards just looks the part. He gives me a Jason Tatum feel too. Like he's like a he's like a guard, but he's not. He's like kind of mm-hmm. bigger. He he's like Devin Booker kind of, but like different. I don't know. Devin Booker is just yeah. Devin Booker. You love Devin, Devin Booker. Booker is Devin Booker. <laughs> yeah, Devin Booker Devin- is awesome. Devin Booker is like if Kobe Bryant was born in 2000 or yeah. I guess 1995. Kobe? Yeah. Yeah. Devin Booker is also like kind of, he's kind of, he's kind of small ish. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's it, Devin Booker. When you're a two, when you're like a true shooting guard, you get shaded a lot just because like it's a tough position. Cause you, 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 there's only really three positions in the NBA. Now it's really like a ball handler a wing and a big. And if you're not one of those three, you're kind of like a tweener. And that's like what Devin Booker is. That's why he kind of mm-hmm. gets, you know. You yeah. Know I mean? Yeah. I, I don't, I never understood that part of Devin. I think it's, uh, Ooh, I just bit my tongue. I think it's cause oh. we got used to, <laughs> I think it's cause we got used to, to Devin Booker being the guy who scored a lot of points and didn't impact winning. I think that's kind of part of the Devin Booker equation is that that was people's first impression and they haven't done enough to kind of change that first impression. I always looked at that and was like, imagine when they actually give him a real team, like that dude's going to be really good. I mean, the past two years, they've been basically end to end the best team in the NBA. I mean, it was years. It was literally it was last year, right? That Draymond Green was on inside and he's like, they got to get out. He's got to get out of Phoenix. Like it was 
is literally like last year. And since then they go NBA finals, number one seed in the West best record literally, in the NBA in yeah, two years. Literally ever since that, um, the bubble, they've been like, like when they went like six and zero or whatever, when Devin Booker was mm-hmm. like laying down the ground, did they even have Chris Paul at that point? How no, they, they didn't. Did? They got Chris Paul. They traded um, yeah. Chris Paul was on OKC during, remember Lou Dort? Remember Lou Dort yeah. got his shot blocked. Uh, that was in the bubble. The, the, yeah, they went yeah. seven games with the Rockets, I think, in the first round. That OKC yeah, team yeah. did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like they gave up like Ricky Rubio, Kelly Oubre, and like a first to make that happen. Like that was a great job to get Chris Paul. And Chris yeah. Paul, I mean, Chris Paul is fantastic. I mean, it's so He's bring it back to um, it's crazy. Bring it back to Minnesota too, like. Minnesota's probably going to lose this series, even though they had like a couple of chances. Even they should to, win. Yeah, they should have won, actually. I, I kind of push back on a lot of people being like, how could you choke like that? And no, like blow no, no. the double digit leads there. And I've pushed back on people for that. You, like, just, need to, you just need to win one of those games. Mm-hmm. You got to win one of those. And then, then, and then it's three, two. Like, I actually would argue with you saying that the, not you, like in general, that I mm-hmm. think Minnesota might be a better team than the than the than the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies just overachieved like crazy this year, I think. So the reason it didn't surprise me is because I view Memphis as so much better than Minnesota. And maybe they're not so much better. It's not like a one eight series where it's like or it's not like Bucks no. and Bulls where like we know the Bucks are gonna win that series in four. And if it's not four, it's gonna be five. Like it's yeah. not that type of discrepancy. It's just that Minnesota is a weird team where their best player is their number two. And Anthony Edwards is 21 years old and is basically their number one. Like that's usually an equation where you will get beat by a team that, you know, Memphis, they, they lost in the play in during the, the bubble. But like this is their third year of the core being together. Yeah, no, and they're good. They're, that's, good team. they're yeah. a good team. And Memphis obviously took the big leap this year, and they've got yeah. they've got four dudes that are awesome. Like, well, I, I was, well, so so if you look at this arg, if you look at it from your perspective, like you know how we always talk about like the best players always win. If you look at team by team, you're probably taking um, John Moran, obviously number one, and then three guys from the Timberwolves, right? Uh, I mean, I, I like Jaron Jackson two. Jr. I, at, at least, least two. Uh, Oh, Cat, you definitely take Yeah, Cat. I guess you're and, right. Yeah, and, I guess I'm, I'm taking Cat over Jaron Jackson. But Jer- the, the joke I've made about like Jaron Jackson, Jackson is like, you know how good you have to be to be picked in between Luca and Trey Young and for us to never talk about it? No, yeah, like, he's very good. But like, but like, yeah. Cat is the third best center in the league. Like, he's, yeah, he's, yeah, Cat, it's, it's closer than people think. But yeah, I take Cat. And Jaron and Jackson, then, and then and then it goes D low probably, and then and, uh, yeah, but that but but the Grizzlies have a bunch, have a yeah. bunch of have a bunch of good bro, like really good players, like you know Desmond Bain and you know and uh, Dylan like, Brooks. Uh, Those are the yeah, four did, that I yeah. kind of point to with them is like Jaw, Dylan Brooks, Desmond Bain, yeah. and um, Jaron Jackson. Jaron Jackson, like, and then also the other f- kid too, um, Brandon Clark is actually pretty good too. Yeah, Brandon Clark's pretty good in there too. They also have. Um, What's the guy who used to be on the Spurs? He got a huge Kyle Anderson. He's still there. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Kyle Anderson. The only thing I remember about him is he got a giant contract and he doesn't know how to finish a layup. 
It's the only only thing yeah. I know about Kyle Anderson. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah, they don't like that contract. I don't think. I don't know. I mean, it's pro- it's got to be almost done by now. He's been. Yeah, I probably. feel like he's been in Memphis forever. <laughs> um, it, it might actually be like one, literally, like one more year. I bet. Let's see, Kyle Anderson. The, I just remember he's been in. He's another one of those Popovich guys. When you say um, the Spurs are like a well-run organization, that's Kyle Anderson is just a dude from nowhere who ended up. He's yeah, the thirtieth overall pick, and ended yeah, he up went to UCLA, I think. Yep, he is a free agent after this season. You yep. got so it. So he's gone. Probably, I don't know. Maybe he doesn't get a big contract. Maybe he, maybe he gets a a mid level exception or something like that. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Memphis is good, and I, they're probably going to lose to the Warriors. Even still, like as great as it's been, unbelievable. Yeah. They just like they're just like back, and you got Jordan Poole. Like they just draft so well there. They just do. So this is something I've actually grown on over the years is saying that I think the sign of a great run organization is your ability to find guys that no one else is valuing. Like yeah, everyone definitely. knows the stars are great and everyone's got an equal chance of getting them. But um, the only problem with that is like, it, dude, they, they had a chance to get like, like, like LaMelo ball. Oh yeah. Like, I, I joke. We're not ready for that conversation yet. We're not ready to talk about how the warriors just brutally effed up in taking James Wiseman. Yeah. Who, yeah. Who else do they have? Who else? Who like, there's another player that, that, that who, went after. Yeah. They um, so let's see, this is the 2020 draft. So that means, um, Isaac Okoro was picked five. I think yeah. he's no better no, than Wiseman. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm looking up. Um, uh, oh, Patrick Williams was picked four. Okay. Okay. So, um, so, so, so that, that draft was, wasn't very good, but, um, you yeah. definitely take Lamelo Ball. Like you got like that was just oh. <laughs> well, actually, that draft was actually really not that good. No, if well, you want to, if you want to feel good. shitty about the Celtics, the Celtics after pick fourteen with Aaron Neesmith. After that, it's Cole Anthony, Isaiah Stewart, who not great. I just remember him fighting LeBron that one yeah, time. No, he's when, fine. Sadiq Bay is very good. Sadiq Bay, Precious, Precious Tyrese Maxey. Oh, oh, Tyrese Maxey. Yeah, no, the um, uh, the Aaron Neesmith draft was awful. Yeah, and then and the Celtics really drafted bad. Peyton Pritchard later on. Oh, the Celtics drafted Desmond Bain. I didn't know that. Yeah, the uh, th- the pick changed hands a whole lot of times, but yeah, they traded they traded up to get or no, maybe they traded down. I don't remember. Um, Damn, that would have been a good play. Oh but yeah, like, no, they swapped. Yeah, they swapped picks with Memphis. It looks like. Well, yeah, but maybe he wouldn't have. He probably wouldn't have been the same player. Probably. Who honest. knows. I mean, they just needed anyone other than Aaron Neesmith. Oh. Like, if you're gonna take the middle of the road guys, at least get someone like Cam Johnson, which he was a couple oh, of yeah. drafts before that. I forgot Jalen Smith was so recent. They just like dumped him the other day for Phoenix. I forgot that was so recent. Um, wow, but yeah, that draft class was great. Draft was awful. Wow. It, well, besides, it's still top, got top. yeah, it's still got two stars. So I guess that's you got to take Lamelo Ball. Oh no, of course. God. Like you figure figure the rest out later. You you they should have in the draft. Like they could have just flipped them for something else. Like what are they doing, dude? That's an awful pick. Like yeah. James Wiseman is, is awful. It's it's not quite Bagley versus Luca, but it's no. like pretty close. And this is the thing: is like no one knows well, how to draft. Well, it, it, it might actually be that if if uh, Lamelo Ball keeps getting better. It's going to be, yeah. well, I'm, I mean, LaMelo Ball is well, not Luke. I, I know what you're saying, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm just skeptical about what LaMelo's ceiling is going to yeah. be. 
Like yeah, that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> Charlotte basically just got another Kemba Walker. By the way, that was the funniest shit ever. Was that Charlotte um, in their locker room put up the scoreboard of them losing by 24 to the Pacers in the play-in game from last year as like motivation, and then they made the play-in game again and lost by 27. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's absolutely in their locker room or in their um in their weight room. They literally put up the box right, score of them losing to the Pacers by twenty four, and then the next year got to the same game and lost by twenty seven. That is hilarious. I'm and then fired their coach. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He 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 got a raw deal there too, huh? I guess I don't know. I mean, so coaching coaching is not based on meritocracy in the NBA. You just sometimes like Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens just they needed to switch it up. There's only so much Brad Stevens could do. You just got to switch it up sometimes. I don't know if eBay is a better coach than Brad Stevens. It's just sometimes you got to switch it up. Um. So I I don't I don't know if he's better, but he's but he's already gotten more out of this team than Brad could have ever done. So I don't know. I don't. I, I'm not sure if it's just like you said, just switching it up. But like the team is better. Second comes. Yeah, it's. I don't know how coaching works in the NBA. It's a really fine yeah. line because, like, yeah, it is interesting because because I really thought that Brad Stevens was like Greg Popovich like early on. I really did, and then all of a sudden, just like it is. I mean, the, the, people called him Spurs of the East. Remember back in 2016, yeah. 2017, they were Spurs of the East because they did it with Isaiah Thomas and they did it with Terry Rozier and they did it with yeah, Jason locally, Tatum. Locally, we called that the bridge of the year. Mm-hmm. The bridges. The bridges. That, 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 we've done a podcast before on that. That Isaiah Thomas year was so much fun. Just yeah. is is such a because it's such an easy story to root for. Like it was just such an easy story to root for, and the guys like it's it's the same reason everyone kind of fell in love with Derrick Rose. I think to a certain extent, it's just it's such an easy story to root for, and man, it's so cool. I do I do think one of the fun things that might happen in this as like a, a little bit of an anarchist and apparently Celtic hater, it would be great if the Celtics advance over the bucks just for them to lose to Miami again. That would just be absolutely perfect. Um, just Whoa. from the, the Celtics fans. Awful. Will, yeah. Celtics fans would just lose their absolute God. Like they would just lose their mind if yeah, they lost yeah. to Miami again. Um, That would be, that would be horrible actually. Yeah. Yeah, y'all would know what to do. You beat Kevin Durant and Giannis, and then you lose to Miami, who's just a who's just an older version of you, basically. Miami, who's just but, older version of you guys. You know what's interesting though? It's so funny that I've heard that before. I couldn't disagree more. I think the Celtics, dude. I there are not many duos in the NBA that I think are better than the Celtics, and I'm not. I, and I, I would have, I'd be hard pressed to find two or three. Like honestly, that this team is like. Tatum and Brown to, to, is um, shut me up. I thought they they had a trade. I'm like these two guys are studs, and I'm telling you right now that this is basically what Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are. I'm not saying I'm, they're not they're not mm-hmm. as good as that yet, but like J- Jason Tatum is pro- is better than Paul George now, and then Jalen Brown's probably just as good and maybe a little bit less. Like they're right I would there. say here's the bar right now. They they aren't quite Kawhi and Paul George yet, but they're also not DeRozan and Zach Levine. Like they're, yeah, they're somewhere in the yeah. middle. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it's just because Tatum's not Kawhi. Yet. That, 
that mm-hmm. that's why he, i love the Kawhi. i love the Kawhi comp too for tatum like that is they're, they're that's a simple, really good yeah. job especially now that he plays really good defense really like, good defense like people like like i'm not even joking like i think tatum like has like true is is Kawhi. Like, i actually they're very similar but tatum's just has a silky there's a better shot i don't know well Kawhi, the, Kawhi looks looks so awkward sometimes that he still scores it's crazy oh well the story about that is that literally when Kawhi first so first of all i i mentioned i grew up watching Kawhi at san diego state i live yeah, like which is three minutes away um I don't remember a ton of it. I was like 11 years old during the best season, but I was watching all the games that year because they were like ranked in the top five in college basketball. And um, when he got to the Spurs in one off season, they literally had to retool his entire shot. And the Spurs, I forgot the guy's name, but everyone talks about how the Spurs have like the best shooting coach in the history of shooting coaches working for their organization. Yeah. I forgot what the guy's name is now, but pretty much like spent an entire off season, just rebuilding Kawhi Leonard's shot. It was like um, 2014, the finals year that the, he won finals MVP. He averaged like 15 points a game next year. He was scoring like 23 and one defensive player of the year. Like it was like overnight, one off season, just completely reinvented his entire shot, which is part of why well, it looks good. so awkward, but like just, re- it looks he- very awkward. Yeah. But, but, but it goes in. <laughs> yeah. He, he reinvented his entire shot. It's like, um, it's like the thing people talk about with like golf swings, like don't change yeah. someone's golf swing if that's what it naturally is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I like the words. You have a really good. You have a very. Well, this is. I'm not trying to, you know, heist your butt here, me. but yeah, yeah. You, you have a very. You have a very good vocabulary because I feel like everything you say is very good because I. That's the great way to say it. It, it truly is retooling. Like they, he didn't like. He changed it, but like like you said, this is what it is. So. Yeah, you know. and let me. I mean, I could do Kawhi Leonard stories all day. Like, it's awesome. But let me figure out what year it was now, because I can't remember what year it was that he reinvented. Like, oh, yeah. So finals year, 16.5 points per game. Um, Doesn't change his minutes. Doesn't change anything else. He goes from shooting 48% to 51%. 34% from three to 44% from three. He improved his three-point percentage by, like, nine points in that one season. And yeah, state, same number of steals, more blocks in 2015 than he had in 2014. Like that one year he goes from like, okay, finals MVP to now like one of the seven best players in the NBA, which by the way yeah, is kind of what Jason Tatum did. It took two years after the bubble, but that's kind of what Jason Tatum's doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He went from being like a good player to like a star to like superstar within like three years. It's actually wild. It's also the perfect comp for my um, analogy of generational stars because I keep saying Jason Tatum's a tweener. Um, Kawhi Kawhi Leonard is is also... Yeah, because because Tatum's like 24, but he's like an old 24 now because he was like... He's been around for like five years now. He's 19. Deep into the playoffs. Yeah. He was he was going to like conference finals at like 19 and now he's 24 and it's like, okay, now he's the best player. But like Giannis is 26 and Luca's 23. So he's like kind of in between the two generations a bit. And uh, Kawhi Leonard was also that. Kawhi Leonard wasn't quite Kevin Durant age. I think Kawhi Leonard's like three years younger than KD. Yeah, but he also, but he has the knees of like a 90 year old. 
Yeah, but he's also that's what I was going to say. He's also not quite. But he was going up against Giannis. Like he was he was the tweener between Wait, did Kevin he play Durant four years and in college or or two. He played. Kawhi he, played. He um, Kawhi played two years in college. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Kawhi two years in college, and then he was the fifteen pick in the draft. Yeah. Which is pretty yeah. high for San Diego State. That's crazy. Oh, the Kawhi Leonard story is so cool, dude. Like literally, um, he was so he w- he went to Riverside, which is technically Los Angeles, but I joke with people who live in Riverside here that like you're part of San Diego now because we adopted Riverside for Kawhi Leonard. Um, but he went to Riverside and basically UCLA was like I mean, this guy's really good, but he's just not like showing any interest. Like he just didn't do any of the the AAU camps. I mean, he did some of them eventually, but like he didn't do any of the AAU camps. He wasn't like reaching out to colleges. They're like, I guess he's just not interested. It's kind of like um, Justin Herbert, basically. Um, sim- yeah. Not like similar, not exactly. But. Yeah. Uh, it's like Justin Herbert and like Trey Lance. Both of them like just didn't do that. They were just like undiscovered prodigies who like... Herbert happened to grow up 10 minutes away from the, the University of Oregon Stadium and single-handedly got Willie Taggart like $35 million just because he was born in the same area as Oregon. But anyways, yeah. Um, Trey Lance's story is awesome too. But Kawhi Leonard's is like, so basically San Diego State goes up there and they're like, hey, do you want to um, come for a recruiting trip. And he was like, sure. By the way, also I should figure out what exactly it was, but basically um, Kawhi Leonard's dad, um, Kawhi Leonard's dad got murdered when he was in high school. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a weird part of his development. Also. Um, I can't remember what it was. Um, yeah. So yeah, 2008, his dad died. So let's see, that would have been like his junior year of high school. His dad yeah. died, which is also kind of when a lot of the high school, like def- when colleges start recruiting top yeah. athletes like yeah. that. He probably um, went through a lot at that time. Yeah. And so he gets to San Diego State um, for his trip. And I, I, I can't remember if it was JJ O'Brien. It was someone on the San Diego State team. Oh, maybe it was um, it was White, I think. Forgot uh, DJ White, I think his name was. But um he's pretty much like his buddy for the recruiting trip and Kawhi was literally like so can we go to the gym he's like sure i guess and then they literally like worked out for like five hours and then after that they're like okay have a good day <laughs> it was like okay <laughs> and um this is uh, I, I don't think this is the famous story of Kawhi like showing up to one party and just sitting in the corner for most of it that, yeah. I think that's when he's actually at San Diego State, but pretty much like White goes back to Steve Fisher and he's like, Steve's like, so what did you learn about him? He's like, I learned literally nothing. Like he just really likes working out. <laughs> that's like, that's all we did for two days is we just went to the facilities and worked out. <laughs> but that was his, that was his way of interacting with, with basketball players was like, he just would go do workouts. Like that was his, that was his social interaction. Yeah. Yeah. He's pretty, he's probably much more like outgoing now, but. Oh yeah. No. Um, people who actually know him say like, if you mention like Kendrick Lamar to him, he will talk your ear off for like an hour and a half. Like he's huge into music and like, he's like yeah, yeah, putting no, out he, he EPs and things like that. Yeah, um, yeah. but yeah, he, he is interesting. He just doesn't give it to people who, who are interested in him. He just doesn't, he doesn't give anyone anything about him. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, he's just he's the mercenary who 
won two NBA championships. And yeah, it's I love Kawhi Leonard, dude. <laughs> I love I love Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I love him too. Yeah, I thought when he first went to the Clippers, because I was still like in between Laker fandom and like just not, I guess Kings now are like fun. I like rooting for losers, but I was like, oh, I can't root against Kawhi Leonard. Why would I root against, why would I waste my life rooting against Kawhi Leonard just because he plays for the Clippers? Like, it's so dumb. He's just so amazing. And he's literally from my backyard. I mean, not literally from my backyard, but went to college literally in my backyard. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a, he's 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 an interesting guy. I mean, definitely. I mean, it's hard not to uh, hard not to feel that way. Ah, I mean, it's so cool. I'm, I'm. It sucks that he's injured now. By the way, that's um, the other funny part about the Clippers is like the Clippers did the thing again, and everyone crapped on them for doing the thing of you know blowing that lead against the Timberwolves and blowing that lead against the Pelicans. I looked up. I was like wow, this roster is really barren and they don't really have a whole, oh, they don't really have a whole lot left to oh, yeah. work with. Definitely. It's weird how some of that stuff works out when you, when you go all in for two players and you didn't maximize the window, but Kawhi and Paul George are still going to stay there unless we have a uh, Kawhi beach 2022. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, like, at the end of the day, like, I think that Kawhi and all these guys are, like, very interesting, but you got to look into the whole situation with them because it's like, you know, oh, oh, actually, speaking of that, speaking of uh, the Clippers, you see the whole thing with Doc Rivers when he, like, basically blamed everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> Doc, Doc Rivers got to be fed up with that shit at a certain point. Like, the, everyone's giving him crap for. Ch- okay. So, also for context, game six hasn't happened yet in the Sixers Raptors series. So we don't know if they're facing a game seven at this point. Uh, I oh, would assume I that they can win so this. bad. I want them I, to lose so bad. I'm just like, okay. So I, I made the joke last week about the Toronto Raptors about how, like, so I, I didn't watch a lot of basketball this year. Cause I didn't have time. And like, I was like smart basketball. People were trying to convince me this Raptors team was good. And I would, I did not believe them. And then, they went down 3-0 and I was like, see, I told you the Raptors weren't that good. They they had a great regular season and, you know, they don't have a superstar better than the best superstar on the Sixers. And um, then the 76ers just are who they are. I'm like, why do you have to be like this? This series should have literally ended when Joel Embiid hit that shot in Toronto with like one yeah, second like, left. Like 10 years ago. They should have walked off that floor and just not played game four. That should have just been the end of the series. And now it's a, it's like a week, eight days later, and they're still playing. I'm just like, why are you like this, Philadelphia? Why? Why are you like this? This is, uh, gosh, Doc Rivers got to be fed up with people's shit with that by now. Yeah. Yeah, no. I'm, but I mean, like, but, but he is, but he's not wrong, though. I mean, so he he's not wrong, but people aren't wrong to question about it. Like the guy, the guy in Boston too. Like that 08 Celtics team. Talk about underachievement. That team should have once like a like two or at least two. And, and mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it all has to do with Doc Rivers. Like I'm sure it doesn't, but it's like like he deserves some of the if he if he gets some of the um, you know the like like the positive stuff. He got he's got to get some of the blame now. 
Yeah, well, I don't think I ever gave Doc Rivers the same props that everyone else did of making him oh, one yeah. of the best coaches in the NBA. Oh, then, and, then, 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 because I've, I've always felt that way. I always felt like he was overrated to begin with. I, I think the problem is there also just aren't enough good co- or like great coaches in the NBA. And so mm-hmm. um, it's the reason why the NBA 75 list only did 15 coaches because there literally just aren't enough good coaches to fill that list out. Um, yeah. I think like Eric Spolstra was there and people were like, really Eric Spolstra. And then they went through and they're like, Oh, Eric Spolstra is a top 10 coach in the history of the NBA, which is yeah, kind of weird, wild. but like, just winning a championship buys you so much, right? Like the different think about the career arc of Tyron Lou and the career arc of doc rivers. Like they think about, and then and think about the career arc of uh, what's his name? Uh, 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 Rick, Rick Carlisle. Mm-hmm. It's a perfect Rick, example. You want you want a championship, and then that that was that was that. But Rick Carlisle at least got like t- ten years at the job. Like the Mavericks were at least loyal to Rick Carlisle when the Mavericks yeah. went through their teardown, like their transition from Dirk to to this team now. Which, by the way, I think this team can sneaky make the NBA Finals. But that's yeah, a, sneaky. That's topic for another day. I've done a bunch mm-hmm. of podcasts on the Luca generation of like his injuries have robbed us of a not like a a, a landscape changing moment, but like a LeBron 2007 or Kevin Durant 2012 type of run. Because like if Luca stayed healthy last year, they beat the Clippers, they beat the Maverick or they, they beat the Jazz in the second round. They probably lose to Phoenix. At least would have been fun to watch Mavericks and Suns in the conference finals more than like watching the Clippers get beat up by the Suns. And then this yeah. year they can make a deep run again. It's like, oh, this is how generations pass onto like the Luca generation. But anyways, like um when it comes to the the um the Mavericks, at least like they gave Carlisle 10 years and like the loyalty of like when we're transitioning from Dirk to Luca we're not going to find a better coach than Carlisle. So we're going to keep Carlisle as coach like Cleveland LeBron left and six games later, Ty Lue was fired. (laughs) Like it was so weird how that one ended up happening. But um, Ty Lue literally went from champion like doc rivers to the Clippers. I don't know if he's doing a great job with the Clippers or not, but I don't think anyone thinks of Ty Lue as one of the 10 best. I mean, maybe 10, maybe the five best coaches in the NBA right now. Definitely. But, but that's a low bar though. Yeah. I don't think people, I mean, maybe he is. I just don't think people think of Carlisle as one of the top five coach or I'm sorry, as Ty Lue as one of the top yeah. five coaches in the NBA. Maybe I'm wrong I, on that. Like, well, but yeah, but the problem is there's a lot of new coaches too. So like things like, um, you know, like uh, the guy from uh, Memphis, uh, uh, you know, Boston's coach, you know, and then there's also some awful coaches. And obviously, you know, you got guys like uh, uh, the Suns coach, uh, Monty, Monty, um, Monty Williams. Uh, yeah, Monty. Thank you. Monty Williams. He, he's, he's a great coach. Like, you know, but the thing is that I think with coaching in the NBA is if you don't have good players, your team's going to be bad. So mm-hmm. like I'm oh, Greg Popovich. Oh, Greg Popovich. Yeah, well, but he's he's a he's a true unicorn, though. I've I've talked about this, and we just did the Kawhi Leonard thing. Like, I think just like we're not ready to talk about how the Warriors effed up the Wiseman Lamelo pick. I don't think we're ready to talk about how Greg Popovich the game passed him by five years ago, and they alienated no, Kawhi definitely. Leonard. And but but. Mess- Thank you for listening to Believe. 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.